Welcome to Walking Moose Podcast. My name is Meg, my dog's name is Moose, and I'm taking time out from walking him to chat it up with you. Hi, everybody. On today's episode, we are going to talk about YouTube, specifically my YouTube channel. Why I am doing it, why I'm starting a channel, what I am learning about it, what I am trying to accomplish with it. So sort of the same um, episode that I did when I talked about why I wanted to start podcasting about living creatively and all the different avenues that was going to take me down and some things that I need to get off my chest about YouTube and basically give you a little insight in my plan to change the world. Um, one social media platform at a time. Anyway, so I'm going to go and get my notes together and get some water because I don't want to be too long-winded and then choke on you. Nobody wants that. So give me just a second and I'll be right back. Okay, YouTube. So let's talk about that. Why would I ever be interested in making a YouTube channel? It is by far the most difficult of anything that I've tried to do as far as the social media living creative project. Um, Setting up my website on my blog was actually not too hard because you could get templates and you just pull stuff in. I mean, it was time consuming, but it wasn't really hard. Um, The podcast, super easy. That's just really, really easy. But as far as YouTube, it's it's been a challenge. It's been difficult. Um, the camera and editing, which if you've watched any of my videos, you know I don't do that very well the editing part, but I'm trying to learn. Um, Another part of me is not trying to learn though, because remember I said I was never going to lie. Part of me is like, I don't really want to get into the weeds too much with editing. I try to do everything in one shot. If I can't do everything in one shot, I do just two. Um, I make the editing very minimal. But why am I doing this? Why am I taking this project on? Why do I want to get into a difficult meeting such as it is? Um, Difficult medium, I'm sorry, (laughs) such as it is. And the reason is because I have been watching YouTube for a lot of years and I enjoy it. I think that YouTube really gives an opportunity for people to put their ideas out there and their creativity out there. But here's the problem that I see. There's not a lot of people out there that look like me. And I'm not a complete freak. I don't want you to think that I'm a complete freak. But I am over 50 years old and I'm not stunningly gorgeous. I know you're shocked, but I'm not. And I'm like, where are all the people that look like me on YouTube? I mean, you have a lot of young people on YouTube, and then you also have a lot of people that are stunningly gorgeous on YouTube, but you don't have a lot of people that are just kind of what I would consider average Joes. I found a couple of them. They tend to be smaller channels. You know, they don't tend to, you know, have the big followings or anything like that. But I have found through watching it for years This is what I found. This is what the categories of the people that I'm watching, kind of what they fall into. So first off, I'm watching a lot of cooking um, because, you know, I like to cook and I like to get recipes and everything like that. So you've either got two types of people that are putting out cooking videos. The first type of person um, putting out cooking video is a professional 
chef and they're doing it to promote their business. And that's wonderful. They're great. I love to watch those. I'm not a professional chef. The other people that are putting out videos that are cooking seem to be these kind of stay-at-home moms. They tend to be younger. They're often a shot of their child sitting in the high chair and everything like that. Now, I get the reason that you don't have people like me making cooking videos is because we're at work. Or if we're not at work, we're, you know, taking the kids to the baseball practice or the dance practice or something like that. We don't have the time to make the videos and all, but I thought that that was, you know, a deficit on the YouTube side. Then we have the people that are giving book reviews. And I, that's one of the reasons why I started watching YouTube in the first place is to, because I love to talk about reading. I love to talk about literature, even not literature, just anything have to do with reading and books is very interesting to me. So I started watching it for that. Now, the people that are putting out these um, booktube videos, which I love, and I don't want to mock them at all, the people that are putting them out tend to be either very young or people that are these niche readers, like they're going to read all science fiction fantasy, or they're going to read all mystery, or they're going to read all romance. I don't do it like that. I don't do it like that because I can't imagine anything more boring. And there's a great big world out there and you should be reading everything, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Um, nonfiction, fiction, magazine articles, essays, long novels, classics, plays, whatever. You should be reading everything. But that's for a different podcast, not for this one. For this one, we're talking about YouTube. So getting back to what I didn't see on YouTube was I didn't see anybody that looked like me. And I felt bad about that because I think that there are a lot of people like there are a lot of people out there that are like me. Take, for example, I am often asked either by text message or by telephone call or people just seeing me out, they will often ask, well, I wanted to find something to read. I'm going on this trip. Um, you know, I know you read a lot. Or I had someone who recently had a family member in the hospital and they were saying, I'm really trying to get her spirits up. And I know she likes to read, but I don't really, I'm not really familiar with this genre. What would you recommend the gift I could get her? And it's wonderful. And I sort of feel like that's my mission because I can't, do a lot of stuff. I can't combat climate change, really. I can't change world economics. I can't, um, did I say economics? I think I did. I think I pronounced that right. Um, you can't, I can't stop animal cruelty. I can't do any of those things. But, you know, I can read a book and I can give you an interesting story about that book. Or I can interest you in reading that book or I can make you laugh about what I learned from that book or something and I know this is weird and it's going to sound a little narcissistic I don't mean it to be narcissistic but why do I have to be limited in this day and age to just giving that information to the people I run into at the grocery store I mean literally there could be some 50 year old woman out there somewhere or 50-year-old man. Let's make it a man. There's a 50-year-old man out there someone, somewhere. He's had a bad day at work. You know, he's come home. He's hot. He's tired. He's cold or whatever. And you know what? He's just 
the world is done with him today and he is done with the world. And maybe he wants to read something and he goes to YouTube. I, there's, there's a lot of assuming here, but let's make it work. Let's take all this hypothetical stuff and make it work. So then he goes to YouTube and he looks around and he sees all these young people or he sees all these niche readers and he thinks to himself, I don't want to read an entire series or gosh, I mean, she, he's 25 years old. She's 25 years old. She's not going to find anything that I would be interested in, which is not true, by the way, because, you know, reading transcends all age, but we'll just let that go. And then maybe somehow he clicks on this unattractive, but cheerful 50-some-year-old person wearing red glasses with a big round face and huge teeth, and they say, hey, I've got a book for you to read. And you might like it. You know, why, why is it so bad to think that that's something that I want to do? Well, I guess it is a bad thing because when I made the announcement to my family that I wanted to have my own YouTube channel and to start making these videos and everything, my two sons, 18 and 23 respectively, thought it was a horrible idea. They thought it was a terrible idea. They didn't want me to do it. They told me it was a very bad idea, that people would be very cruel to me, that it would just be bad. So I took that under consideration and I thought to myself, well, am I able to withstand the horrible comments that I'm going to get? Am I able to withstand the criticism and the critique that I'm going to get from YouTube? And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm strong enough and I am going to withstand that. Now, here's the interesting thing. I haven't gotten any of that um, for the most simple reason that nobody really watches my videos. I mean, I've got, I'm excited. I'm up at like 25 views for each video. And I think I have maybe five or 10 out there, which is super exciting to me. 25 views on each one because some of those are coming in from people obviously that I don't know. I don't think I actually know 25 people. So you got to have, you know, a few of them are coming in from somewhere. Um, but nobody's made any horrible comments yet. Nobody said anything really damaging yet. Um, and so that was such a big fear of my sons that so far it has not manifested. Um, and maybe for good reasons or maybe for bad reasons. Most probably, though, simply because nobody's really, I don't have a big group of people that are watching. And maybe that'll change. Maybe it won't. Um, so anyway, let's get into a little bit of the nitty gritty of what I have learned about YouTube and what I have learned about making these videos um, and some interesting insights that I have now that I'm more familiar with the analytics of YouTube and how it all works and also the shocking reaction of some of the other YouTubers that I have interacted with even in the smallest way. Okay, so here's what I have learned. What I have learned is that a YouTube channel costs money. Like a lot of the other stuff that I'm doing, the blog and the podcast, they don't really cost any money. Um, the podcast I'm doing totally free through Anchor. And then my blog costs, I think it's $33 a year. 
So that's basically no money right there. I mean, that's pretty much pretty close to free when you're talking about $33 a year. Um, And that's for the hosting of it. And I bought the name www.walkingmoose.com. And so I own that. Literally, was it even $20? It's been so long ago. I don't even think it was $20. It might have been $12 or something. (coughs) Excuse me. So, but having a YouTube channel, that costs you money. Because you want to get the premium channel and then because when you get the premium channel, you can get onto the YouTube creator and all that kind of stuff. So that's going to cost you $14.99 a month, $14.99 a month. And that is not small potatoes. So I'm committed to doing this for more than a year. I, I, I don't like to set something at a year because a year goes by so fast, especially when you get older. So I think I'm like at the 18 months. I'm like at, at 18 months, I'll reassess and see whether or not this is actually worth my time. But $14.99, I say $20 a month, I'm spending it on myself. So it actually does cost money. Now, if I were to up the game on my videos and actually get a um, good camera, I'm using my phone at the moment. If I got a good camera, that would be another you know, expense that I would have to lay out there. I have a um, little stick. They call it a selfie stick, but I don't use it for selfies, so I don't think of it like that. But it's this little gorilla stick thing, and it's got these little nubby legs, and it holds the camera steady while you're talking to it. I set mine on some books. This is really how to do it on a shoestring budget, people. And that little thing cost me 30 bucks. So that was some money that I had to outlay for that. Um, so it has cost me a little bit of money to do it. Not a lot, but a little bit of money to do it. Um, which is, you know, kind of taking my living creatively experiment a little bit higher. Because I wasn't really spending that much money on it. Um, but now I'm like, I'm committed to, to $14.99 at least for 18 months. And then I have outlaid for equipment that I wouldn't buy on any other for any other reason. So anyway, so I've got the selfie stick and I'm doing the, the videos and I'm trying to do them once a week. And here's what I have learned. Um, I have learned that I can't do the video taping the way you're quote unquote supposed to do it. Now, I didn't know anything about this until recently. I, what I do is I put my little camera on my little selfie stick and it faces me. And so I do the little flip thing. I have an iPhone. And so it's like I'm looking in a mirror and that's how I record my videos. And my sons were telling me that that is the incorrect way to do it. What you should do is have the camera facing away from you. Um, and then you look at the back of the camera and that takes a better quality picture. And they showed me examples of that. And yes, yes, it does. But I can't do that. The reason I can't do that is because, and I tried, I spent way too long figuring out that that actually was not for me because I can't see, you know, there's no one there to talk to. And so if I, if I have that camera facing me as if it's a mirror, it's like I'm talking to myself, but at least myself is another person. I mean, I felt so uncomfortable talking to the back of that camera. 
it was just the weirdest experience. And I, I never had fun with it. I didn't enjoy it. I couldn't edit the videos. All the videos just looked awful. Um, so yeah, I'm not doing it like that. I'm not going to do it like that. And if that keeps me out of your YouTube viewing experience, then we're all just going to have to live with that because there is a line in the sand that I won't cross. And the line in the sand that I won't cross in my living creatively is that if it is too hard, I am not going to do it. So that's too hard for me. It's too hard for me at this point in my life with these videos to be a professional. Now, here's the other thing that I wanted to get off my chest and talk about um, reviewing books on YouTube, which is specifically what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be talking about books. Um, if you go out on YouTube and you Google book reviews, you Google people, re or maybe you YouTube it. I don't know if you Google it on YouTube or if you YouTube it, on you search it on YouTube. You will find all these people with a list of seven or eight books that they read for the month of May. And they will say, for May, I read nine books. And liar. Now, if you're, do you just not work? Do you wake up every single morning and get that coffee and just start reading? I still believe these people. And then they do these little things like, well, I listened to it on audiobooks when I was doing the laundry. I love an audiobook. I'm not saying don't listen to an audiobook, but I don't know. I think we need to come up with a different term because that's not reading nine books a month. That's reading three books a month and listening to six. And I'm not saying, you know, oh, you shouldn't be listening to books. Audiobooks are fantastic. They're so well done. I love them myself. But I think it's not truth in advertising. You got to have truth in advertising, which is what I'm doing on my channel. And I'm just like, if I read two books a month, I'm thrilled. Hopefully I can read more. Sometimes I don't read at all. Sometimes I just read magazine articles and stuff like that. But I'm going to be honest about it. The other thing that I've learned from being on YouTube is the analytics are fascinating to me. Um, now, first off, if you can break that algorithm, you can get wealthy off of YouTube. Seriously, seriously wealthy off of YouTube. The chances of you doing it are slim. They're very slim, but it does happen. Um, and probably it happens more often than you think. So what the way YouTube does it is YouTube is going to monetize you. And I'll explain what that means after you have a thousand subscribers or 4,000 watch hours. Now, the thing I can't figure out about the 4,000 watch hours is... Is that in a certain time frame? Is that a month? Is that a year? Is that just whenever you get there? Because what if it takes you like 12 years to get there? I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen to me. So I didn't spend too much time thinking about that. But they're going to monetize you and they're going to do all the work, which is very attractive when you think about monetizing. They're going to reach out to you and they're going to say, we're going to start paying you money. Let's go. And that means that you have ads that they have ads on your little sites that you pull up and everything like that, or you can get sponsorships. A lot of people that I watch have sponsorships. Um, so you can get money monetized pretty easily. And when you think about it, if you can break that algorithm and if you can do it, it's actually not out of the realm of possibility that if you have a great viral video 
or if you have, you know, something that people find particularly charming or endearing about you, then you can get monetized pretty easily. Like just taking a picture of your dogs or, you know, a video of your baby or something like that. You could technically just get monetized from that. And that seems almost sinfully easy. So it does seem sinfully easy, but here's what you have to understand about the YouTube algorithm. The YouTube algorithm, they are wanting you to engage with people so that people will stay on YouTube longer. Because the longer somebody stays on YouTube, the more ads they can push out, the more advertisers they can attract to advertise on YouTube because they can say this, this many people are staying this many hours. So what they're wanting you to do is they're wanting you to be engaging enough to where the person goes down those rabbit holes. I mean, that's the whole thing. So they're wanting you to be engaging enough to where you, they watch your video and then they think it's funny, so they don't watch another one by you. And then maybe they watch somebody else who they also think has the same taste in books or whatever. So YouTube is all about you scratch our backs, we'll scratch your back. I guess like every business relationship. But to me, it's very interesting because they, they don't really care about you at all. They just want to make sure that you're engaging enough to engage with other people and to get them to stay on the site longer which I thought is a very interesting way to think about it. I suppose it's advertising 101, but I just didn't think about it like that. I just didn't. So what YouTube does is there's actually YouTube people, which I didn't realize this. I kind of, in my mind, thought they were all computers, but there's actually YouTube people. And they do watch your videos, and they're watching for content that they don't want out there. Um, we can think of lots of different things like you know, um, bad words, sexually inappropriate stuff, you know, how to build a bomb. They're, they actually watch the videos. And so what they do is they try to put your video with, they try to group it with other videos that would be similar. And so that's going to be difficult for me because I don't have I'm not one of those niche readers or I'm not making a recipe or something like that. And that's something that I have to look at a different way because the whole point of my being on YouTube is to bring a different experience to people. Um, but the people that are the niche readers and the people that are reading the bestsellers and everything like that, they're automatically going to be seen more because they're easily defined. And so if you're not easily defined, it's really hard for YouTube to know where to group you. So like there's no middle-aged woman channel that I could find, at least. Um, most of the middle-aged women that I see on there, for some reason, it, what they seem to be doing is a lot of fashion and makeup. And they're beautiful women. I have no problem with them doing fashion and makeup. That's just great. I just don't see a lot of middle-aged women out there doing book reviews or talking about the different things they read or anything like that. And, you know, maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot by proclaiming that I'm not going to be a niche reader and that I'm not going to do it this way and I'm not going to do it that way. And I don't want to be shooting myself in the foot, but I have to really think to myself, what does success in this area look like for me? And I think that success for me 
in this particular YouTube venture that I'm doing looks like, do I get more comfortable on camera? Do I learn enough to feel like I have exhausted everything I need to know about YouTube? Because part of this is a learning and I love to learn. And do I feel like I'm able to reach people outside of my immediate sphere? I don't have a number on that. My, I'm not trying to reach a thousand people. I'm not trying to reach a million people. Um, but I am trying to give more um, airtime, I guess that you would say, to things that are not usual, things that are not regular. Um, that's not even right. Gosh, I've lost my train of thought on this so much, I don't even know where I'm at sometimes. So let's, I think that's a good point to sort of, I'm going to talk about one other thing and then I'm going to wind it up. And the thing that I want to talk about is my experience with other YouTubers. When I have actually entered into the realm of YouTubing, I had contacted and contacted sounds like we're close, we're not close, but I had interacted through comments, through emails with a couple of people that are on YouTube that have some significant followers and some smaller followers. And I have liked their videos. I have talked to them about their videos. We have chatted back and forth. It's been very, very pleasant. But what I found super interesting was that when it came time for them, like nobody is subscribing to my channel at all. I'm getting a significant number of watches for a teeny tiny little just starting out channel. And because you have the, your 25 count which is, if you're looking at your YouTube analytics, my videos, say, are getting 25 views. But that's not quite the same as watches. Like, you have, I have 1,400 people, 1,400,790, that are clicking on and that will stay on for a certain amount of time before they click off. Um, and that's part of the algorithm is that they, you want to track and see at what point they click off and then you kind of want to make those parts of your videos more interesting. Um, so 1,479 people have clicked on my videos and have watched over a minute. That's how sort of they grab it in the analytics. And that's amazing to me. Um, I'm really proud of that. <laughs> Maybe that's a stupid thing to be proud of, but I'm really proud of that. But I have very few subscribers. Um, and I think that's the thing that I wanted to talk about, how that be so interesting, is that if I see someone on YouTube and I like them and I like what they're saying, I'm very willing to subscribe because it's really not costing me any money and I like them. And so I figured that I'll probably like the next thing. I thought it was really interesting though, is that I got some nice feedback, some good feedback from these other people that are um, YouTube booktubers, people that talk about books on YouTube and, but no one will subscribe. And I'm like, well, what's the harm in subscribing? 
I mean, I just don't understand that. I mean, I guess, is it that competitive? I don't want to think it is. I don't want to think that. What does subscribing actually mean? I'm not coming over to your house or anything. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to invade your dreams, I don't think. So I think it's interesting is that, you know, I'm getting all these click-throughs and that's good and everything I'm reading is saying that that's a positive thing. But boy, I can't get a subscriber if I was naked and covered in money. So what are our takeaways? So here are the takeaways. In my journey to live more creatively, this is the first thing that's actually costing me cold, hard cash. Um, So the question is now, does that change my perspective on it? Does that make me more or less willing to spend time on it? Does that make me more or less creative? Now that I know that there's actually a monetary cost to it, um, will I get all wound up in the analytics as I so often do? Um, by going so far out of the, I don't want to say out of the norm because I'm not completely nutty, but so far out of the, um, registered path or the expected path that you should have to be a successful YouTuber, will that hurt me? And what does hurt actually mean? What am I trying to gain from it? Remember I said that I wanted to gain knowledge and I'm getting that and I'm enjoying that and I wanted to gain, you know, I guess it's influence, some type of influence outside of my sphere because I find that very interesting. Can I? can I actually have any influence outside of my immediate sphere? Um, And what's that like? I I was listening to a Great Courses audio the other day about influence and different ways people are influenced. It's really fascinating. I could do a whole thing on that. Um, So I do think I want some influence outside of my sphere. I want to see if I can do that. Anyway, I am going to wind it up. And the next podcast we're going to do, I keep threatening people with spooky books, but I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do some spooky books. And I have to think of what recipes to go with that, with recipes to go with spooky books. That'll be interesting. Well, thank you all. Be safe and I'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining us at the Walking Moose Podcast. Again, my name is Meg. My dog's name is Moose. You can check us out at www.walkingmoose.com where you can find all kinds of observations about a life in progress just like yours. So farewell, all Wiedersehen, and may the road always rise up to meet you.